Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to Lake Kick is Live. It is Thursday night, September 16th, the year of our Lord, 2021. The show starts in zero seconds. Here we are. We restart it so it looks cool when we cut it. Three, two, one. And welcome in Lake Kick is Live. It is Thursday night, September 16th, the year of our Lord, 2021. Jam-packed wall-to-wall. Then again, we always are. We're about to dive headlong into week three. We've got some games on the marquee. We've got several more games on the undercard, and we're going to talk about a whole lot of them tonight. Uh, let me ask you a question. Rhetorical, we're about to hit it. Who are we going to learn the most about? Because i got several teams. Some of them are on the radar. Some of them a little bit off the radar. Uh, this is the time of year that's dangerous. This is the time of year where we on the show metaphorically every year like to tell you the fog starts to burn off. And the fog is the things you think you know. We all think we know some stuff this time of year. And then the fog burns off and you see the landscape a little bit more clearly. And it turns out Three weeks from now, you'll look back and say, remember when we thought this? Remember when we thought we had that pegged? This is when that process starts. This is why we never use the word lock ever, but much less in week three. You never start speaking definitively. We never put any of these bootleg playoff projections out because we don't believe in the playoff in September. But we're going to start to learn some more things this week. We'll uh, come back to that in just a second. We've got mood tracker updates, three more of them. Texas has warranted a mood tracker update. Certainly Arkansas. Been talking with our friends over on Hog Sports in the last hour, actually, and Ohio State. Buck nuts, up in arms, defensive, might I add. And we're going to talk about all those programs. Also Cincinnati, the G5 love that you claim we don't give, I'm going to give. I can make an argument to you that the Bearcats play the biggest game since Luke Fickle has been there this Saturday. It's not the biggest in terms of prestige, but it is the biggest, I think, in terms of current and future impact. All that, and we're going to add two more best bets onto the Ramen Noodle Express. So uh, just a little word of the wise, by the way, as we talk about the Ramen Noodle Express, and we're about to dive into the show. uh, The model this week likes way more than just five or six games. I mean, we're going to have six games before the end of the show tonight for you, but I've got even more than that. They're not all going to be official best bets. The reason I'm telling you this is because those of you who have been checking out Friday Night Lines, which is our super secret off-the-radar kind of gambling chat on Instagram Live, it should be lively to what tomorrow night. We're going to do it uh, live from some random Pittsburgh hotel room. But I would highly encourage you, if you have some games that you're curious about and you want to know what the model says, that's the time. It's live chat. I field as many questions as possible. Last about 15 or 20 minutes. I would encourage you to be tuned in because there's some value on the board, even more so than I'm going to be handing out on the show. Also, 
I had a lot of you texting me about this. I've been putting the show together, so I haven't been able to respond. But Dustin Hawkinsmith and the folks at Penn Live did a really good feature on me and the show earlier today. It's available, PennLive.com. It's a huge it's a mega website in Pennsylvania. I've even heard about it, and I grew up in Georgia. And it had some really good things to say. Even Barton Simmons was quoted. How about that? Our Adam Stanko was quoted. Uh, Colin, I don't think you were quoted. Colin's saving himself. for he's only, he's only national. When we do New York Times, USA Today, that's probably when Colin will be reached for a quote. But thank you to the folks at Penn Live, and thank you guys for checking that feature out. Uh, they're watching us tonight in Bozeman, Montana, by the way. I also was informed of that uh, earlier today. So uh, we got a loaded show. Let's dive in, and let's talk about Saturday, because we got some things to learn. Which programs, which teams are we going to learn the most about Saturday? I'm going to go around the horn here. Let's talk about some games. Some of these we've already previewed and predicted, but what are we going to learn? Let's start with the game we're going to be at. I'm already dressed properly enough, but Auburn at Penn State. The predictions and whatnot notwithstanding, what are we going to learn about some of these teams? Remember when Malzahn came to Auburn? It was his first year. It was 2013. I think they were coming off like a four-win season. And they came within seconds of winning a national championship. One of the most out-of-nowhere, near-perfect elbows off the top rope of college football that we've ever seen. Only problem is FSU rolled out of the way, elbow hits the mat, and then boom. FSU hits their finisher. Uh, Mr. Benjamin, to be more direct, hits his finisher, and then Florida State wins. But point being, no one thought Auburn had any business doing that. Well, this year, I really wonder, and we'll start to learn a little bit more because they've looked great so far against borderline air, not to disrespect opponents, but I am, because Auburn hadn't played anyone. Uh, they've done what they're supposed to do. But now we find out if Brian Harson has any of that Malzahn year one stuff in him, where you're not expecting anything, the preview magazine culture didn't expect anything, and then all of a sudden they do something. Well, if that is to be the case, certainly this would be a very, very opportune place for that to start. Saturday night, everyone's talking about the environment. I, I do want to reiterate something. Some of you out there love the pageantry, spectacle of college football. Some of you couldn't care less about that stuff. You just like the X's and O's on the field, and you don't care about all this other. Even if you fit into the latter category, I would strongly encourage you be tuned in at, what, 7.30, I think, Eastern time is when we kick this thing off. Make sure you're tuned in for the beginning of this game. I'm talking about when teams take the field. Because even if you don't really care about the spectacle, you'll probably get caught up in this spectacle. I don't think there's better theatrical elements in college football, maybe until you get to the Rose Bowl in January for a different reason, then you'll see on display in State College, Pennsylvania, Saturday night. Incredible. I've never even been there. I will Saturday night, but I'm telling you about it anyway. So that's part one. Part two, if you start asking what does it take for Auburn to actually win this game, uh, everyone's focused on Bo Nix. Well, I'm not. I'm focused on Tank Bigsby. And I remember being at the Iron Bowl, I think it was in 2015, yeah, uh, that's when Derrick Henry had one of those games where they handed the ball to him over 40 times, and then he finally put Auburn to bed. That's about the only tailback that we've seen in major college football be utilized in that fashion. I am mentioning Derrick Henry because I wonder if Auburn might not need that kind of performance from Tank Bigsby to win this. I can assure you they're not going to put the ball in the air a whole lot with Bo Nix. In fact, interceptions may not be the biggest issue. Fear of letting him throw the ball because of interception looming in the back of your mind may be the bigger hindrance for Auburn, but all that can be negated if they find out they can move the ball. And then Tank Bigsby starts rolling, and you look up at halftime, and he's already got 23 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown, and you say, he's on pace for what? And then they don't let up in the second half. 
and they just keep running him and running him and running him. Maybe the kind of performance Auburn needs in order to win the game. Thirdly, how about Penn State taking this game? You know, they won against Wisconsin in week one. The box score tells a different story. doesn't matter. It's still a check under the W column. But as we get further down the road, you're ultimately going to get anywhere close to where you want to go. You've got to be able to take games. And unlike week one, you're not in a hostile environment. You're in a friendly environment. Auburn should feel like they're playing against 12 guys at any given time. Can you take the game that should be yours? Those are some things I'm watching in that one. How about Alabama at Florida? Uh, The first thing that I will be focused on with Alabama, I think we all should be focused on, as that fog of the early season starts to clear, is we start to get a little more context around what we really witnessed Alabama do in week one. You think Miami's a top 20 team, thereabouts, uh, and you watch Alabama make quick work of them, and so you come out of it, as you should have, and you say, wow, Alabama looks borderline unbeatable. Maybe not unbeatable. They look really good. And they did look really good. But the thing about the early season fog is sometimes it really clouds your visibility. And sometimes what you think is a really good team is not a really good team. Well, so now we've got another week of perspective. And that week involved Miami narrowly getting by App State, uh, suicidal feline in the second deck was the bigger takeaway from that game than the actual game itself. So now we get into week three. And now Bama's got its biggest test of the year so far. And it's in a true road environment. And you take a lot of those kids out on the road and they get to experience the swamp for the first time. Pretty much, yeah, everyone on that roster does. The overall caliber of the team. Bama could go in there and win 44-13. Uh, they could go in there and win 29-23. Those are two wins, but you know they hit you a little bit different. Just the overall caliber of play. Nothing too specific, just the overall caliber of play. That's one thing. And then I got another thing I was asking Director Colin about probably about 30 minutes ago. I was just, I was randomly just writing some notes down. And I said, Colin, I got a thought for you. He goes, oh, not again. I said, yeah, just, just humor me for a second. Since no one's predicting it, because I have not seen anyone outright predict a Florida win. Uh, since no one's predicting it, what if Dan Mullen wins? You ever stop to think about that for a second? What if instead of covering, some people have been bold enough to predict that, What if Dan Mullen and Florida actually win? How radically would that shift the whole dynamic? I am kind of asking that rhetorically. I'm not quite sure I know the answer to that. I know I'd be ultra impressed, but how impressed would Florida fans be? Uh, How shook would Georgia fans be, even though it has nothing to do with them, but you know good and well you would be anyway? Because the talk Monday would, don't wait to Monday, the talk Saturday night by 8 p.m. would be, our guy has beaten Nick Saban. What's your guy done? By the way, our guy beat your guy en route to the SEC East last year. Is anyone looking at Dan Mullen a little bit differently? I think it could come to feel that way if he were to pull that off. Some things to think about there. I think even a good, hearty 31-24 to 24 loss would paint a not-so-gloom picture for the rest of the season for Florida. So some things to watch there. Uh, consistency at the quarterback position is what I would really love to see validated for Florida. There is also a game happening in the state of Florida a little bit further south, and that is a noon kickoff Eastern time, and it's Michigan State at Miami. This is a game that in some years in college football would be a marquee matchup. This is not one of them, but then again, you know our philosophy around here. It doesn't have to have massive playoff implications for us to be into it. This could end up being for a variety of reasons, one of the most entertaining games that you watch all of Saturday. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there are way too many people 
uttering the following sentence as part of their preview for this game. Michigan State has looked like the better team. Michigan State feels like the better team. Now, if you're a Miami Hurricane fan, you know good and well that has no business being a reality. But yet, if you're a Miami Hurricane fan, you also probably are a little hesitant to strongly push back on that because you've watched your team and it's been nothing to write home about. And you've probably watched some Michigan State this week leading up to this game and you've said, good for Mel Tucker. They do look good. They took care of Northwestern. Uh, They won again last week. And so here they come. They're going to come down here. Number one, how hostile a home crowd environment can we generate? Uh, Number two, have we swept this stadium for feral cats? And number three, they're not better than us, are they? Are they better? No, they can't be. Right, guys? Are they, is Michigan State better than us? It shouldn't even be that close is the point. So this line is six, Canes minus six. And I'll tell you, I, I've been over on InsideTheU.com today, but I've also got several Miami buddies that I've just kind of done a little uh, non-scientific polling with. A lot of them think this is a must-win for Manny Diaz. Now, I guess that all comes back to how you define a must-win. Must win if you define it as, well, he's going to be fired right after the game if he loses. No, this is not a must win. But if it's a must win in order to keep the trajectory of the Miami program this season on any kind of course that you think is acceptable, yeah, it's a must win. Because if they lose this, you are one and two. Your one wins against uh, an F, uh, well, an FCS program or a G5 program, not an FCS program, uh, by the skin of your teeth. What, what, are you really, what are we really talking about here? And that's before you've even entered conference play. And so you're looking at Miami's schedule. If you're watching on YouTube, they have Central Connecticut after this, but then they dive in to conference play. But yet, even with a clean conference slate, think about how weird that would be. If they were to lose this game, you already are asking yourself, to a certain degree, knowing the standard at Miami, what are we playing for? And I'll tell you what else would happen. If they let Michigan State come in there and beat them, you're letting a coach that is much younger in his tenure at a place that should be behind the eight ball relative to you when it comes to getting talent on campus surpass you seemingly in your own building. That's the kind of stuff that makes people start to talk about a lot more than the season. That's the kind of stuff that makes people start to talk about your job. I'm not necessarily into that kind of conversation, but I think it's undeniable if Manny Diaz and Miami were to drop this game, that is naturally where the conversation would flow. So keep an eye on that. Also in the ACC, What about Virginia at North Carolina? If you're honest with yourselves, most of you have not seen North Carolina since week one on the road. They lost on that Friday night against Virginia Tech. And so, I mean, if you're also being honest with yourself, a lot of you have not watched Virginia yet this year. Virginia is really weird offensively. They do a whole lot of stuff. Uh, They don't have four and five star talent all over the place, but in college football, you can win without it, especially if you're doing something unique. And say nothing else about Virginia, but say this. They are unique. They're a special preparation offensively. So good for Bronco Mendenhall. But also they have that familiar Bronco Mendenhall trademark of being really well coached, disciplined, probably not going to beat themselves, hard to handle on the lines of scrimmage, even though, again, the average star rating may not indicate it. And I mention that because in some ways that describes what they dealt with, they being North Carolina, against Virginia Tech in week one. And we saw how that turned out. Uh, Jay Bateman's defense is going to have to be really disciplined, really sound here, and it's not always something we saw them be able to uh, just exude in week one, and they are favored. They, again, being North Carolina pronouns, uh, they are favored by eight at home. It's one of those weird lines. There are several games like that this week. 
like we're going to talk about it in just a second, but Purdue at Notre Dame is another one of those games. Uh, Michigan State at Miami. All these home teams that were higher favored at the beginning of the year, and they're around a touchdown favorite, but yet you're also saying, yeah, I can see them losing outright. So let's keep an eye on that one, and we can go ahead and roll to the last one, Purdue at Notre Dame. Does anyone out there have the slightest clue about what to expect from Notre Dame this week? There are two widely differing schools of thought on what to expect from the Irish. But, but before we talk about expectation, what are they right now? We're looking at B-roll, if you're watching on YouTube, of their week one game, where it looked like they were going to pull away from Florida State, uh, who you most recently saw fall to the hands of the Gamecocks, and not the ones from South Carolina. It looked like they were pulling away from FSU. Nice little hostile road win, and then all of a sudden they get taken to overtime. Uh, in retrospect, that looks horrific. And then in week two, Toledo. Now, you can make excuses for both of those. You could say, hey, that was a tough place to play, and we sleptwalked a little bit in week one. And week two, we were on essentially 48 hours less rest than Toledo. All these things are true. Okay, that's fine. Um, you still look bad. You still look a lot below the standard people expect from Notre Dame. So there's one school of thought that they're just flat out not all that great this year. The other school of thought is this is the spot if they are to kind of hit a stride, that it would happen. Because now there's no excuse for this week. I mean, they're at home back-to-back weeks, full rest, blah, blah, blah. They even banned Purdue from bringing the big drum into the stadium. Couldn't fit through the visitor's tunnel. And then Purdue said, well, that's cool, but what about your tunnel? And Notre Dame said, nope. We're Catholic, but we're kind of going Church of Christ on you. No instrumental music in here today. I'm a Church of Christ guy. So I know all about it. They're not letting Purdue bring the drum in. Colin, I want to say since 1979, it's the first time Purdue does not get to take that drum on the road. I'm a former drummer. In another life, I was in a band called 85 South. When you take the percussion away, people tend to get violent. You know my proclivity to completely exclude any kind of external motivation tactic. But if I'm Jeff Brom, I so badly need one of those, hey, remember me type of games because his name hadn't been on any radars for a little while. I'm resorting to anything I have to. And if I can get my locker room fired up because we couldn't bring our cool drum in here, then so be it. But watch out for Purdue. Because if the first camp is right about Notre Dame, and they're just not really anything to write home about, Purdue can go in there and win. Especially if Notre Dame does not possess the offensive ability to stretch you, and they just kind of have to out-rock fight you for four quarters. At that point... You got really, really thin margins. Purdue could win that game. So let's be heads up. Those are just some of the many things. We have a Purdue by 17 jet. Sometimes I have to prove to you the show's live, so I react to the live chat. Uh, Purdue by 17 would be noteworthy. I'll say that. I don't really care where you're going to be Saturday. Well, I do. And that's a lie. I care greatly about you guys. But I don't care which place you choose to be. Just get out there. I, I, I was talking to a meteorologist friend of mine earlier today, and they were sending me some advanced model data. By advanced, I mean down the road a little ways. It's going to get cold soon. I know that shocks you. Yes, I have inside information that as summer turns to fall, it's going to chill off a little bit. Uh, Not all of you know that. I know that. It's going to get colder in the fall than it is in the summer. And my point is, the weather's not always going to be as great as it is right now, so get out there and enjoy it. Tailgate. I don't care if you don't have a ticket. Tailgate. And before you do it, just head over and visit our buddies at Academy Sports and Outdoors. Some of you have grown fond of how seamlessly I can transition out of what you think is a topic into an ad read, and there you go. I just hit it with you again. 
I got to tell you something about this after I get done. But if you need the tents, if you need those canopies, if you need the grills, if you need the t-shirts, which eventually will turn into a jacket, it doesn't matter. Academy Sports and Outdoors, they are the official outdoor sporting goods supplier of a couple of conferences, but most notably, this very show. And we are loving more by the day the relationship we have with Academy. And if you can't get to a brick-and-mortar store, that's fine. Some of you are a little socially awkward. Some of you are introverted, just like me. And some of you don't live near a store. Academy.com. As long as you got internet, you can head there for all your sporting goods supplies. So make sure you give them a visit. Now, here's the fun thing I wanted to tell you. I told you the other day I got an email from some of the high-ups at Academy, and they told me that you guys had been hitting them up saying, we bought some Academy merchandise and we did it because you are a partner with Lake Kick. So here's what I need you to do. I was talking to one of our uh, sales executives today. And here's what I want you to do. When you do that, just tag me in it because I want to have that because that's really fun. I would love to just screenshot that. So if you're going to academy.com or you're in the store, which a lot of you have been doing, just screenshot yourself. I don't care where you are. Just tag me in it. Send it to me, Twitter, Instagram, wherever, because I want to build a little folder of that. And then I want to just break it out down the road, probably in a sales department meeting. And I just want to run through a ridiculously showy slideshow presentation of boom, 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 all of our folks buying Academy gear. So thank you for that. It does nothing but help the show. It does nothing but help our partners. Uh, Let's talk about moods. We don't normally, to be honest with you, do the mood tracker until it's either spring when we do one for pretty much every program, or it's really late in the season. But this season has necessitated that we do several mood trackers. I think this after this segment, we will have done four already. So, Colin, here's your end point. Let's hit some mood trackers, because there are moods rapidly evolving across the landscape of college football, and we got to start with Texas. The Texas mood has been updated to in KC we trust. I trust that a lot of you saw the Arkansas game. Not even going to call it an Arkansas-Texas game, because to be honest with you, Texas did not have a whole lot of choice with how that outcome uh, came to be. But now, what you also saw, if you tuned in through the duration, is a quarterback change, which, of course, was what we were fearful of in the latter portion of Texas fall camp. We saw that there was no clear leader. That was made obvious because Steve Sarkeesian himself said so. And so it was Hudson Card, and it was Casey Thompson, and finally... You have a scrimmage where Card looks a little bit better. Uh, Chip Brown over at Horns 24-7 shared some pretty interesting information with his insiders and members over there earlier today that indicated maybe that coincided with Casey Thompson showing up a couple minutes late for some things. And when it's a, a battle of inches, that goes a long way in determining the outcome. Whatever determined the outcome, Sark picks Hudson Card as a starting quarterback. And that was all well and good. But remember what we said on the show at the time? which is ringing very true now, I said, this is not a Texas team that is talented enough to just pick their quarterback and then take off and get to cruising altitude at 38,000 feet within 10 minutes. It's going to be bumpy. They're just not there yet, obviously. That's why they have a brand new coaching staff. And the problem therein lies, because when you had two quarterbacks so hotly contesting each other in fall camp, it's inevitable that you have a little division within your locker room. Sometimes it can be healthy, but you got... How many guys? You got over 100 guys in there. I mean, you got 100 different sets of eyeballs. They're not all seeing it the way you do. You better believe there were some folks that said, man, coach picked Hudson Carr. I think Casey Thompson. I think he's our leader. I think he's our guy. Now, Sark made the best decision he knew how to with the information at hand. But what we said is the second the first wheel gets wobbly, there's probably going to be a change. And lo and behold, the wheels got wobbly Saturday night in Fayetteville, and now we've seen a change. 
And Casey Thompson, in case you've missed it, has been announced as the starting quarterback for Rice this Saturday. Rule number one on the show, don't lose to food. Rule number two, see rule number one. And so I believe Casey Thompson is going to have a good game Saturday. Now, the reason the Texas mood has shifted to in Casey we trust is because there's no other option. That's about it. But I'll tell you something else. Uh, Casey Thompson is liked by a lot of the Texas fan base, and if you were indifferent on him, then I think you ought to go over there and take a look at Chip Brown's insider report over on Horns 24-7 because he talked a lot about um, he talked a lot about the attitude and had some direct quotes from Casey Thompson. And here's the way I interpreted it and the way a lot of you at Texas interpreted it. It was believed that if Hudson Card won that job, there was a strong likelihood that Casey Thompson was going to transfer. Sark himself was worried about that. And when it happened... I was reading Chip Brown's report. I'm paraphrasing. Go read it in its entirety if you want to over on Horns247.com. He said Casey Thompson was very distraught. He just kind of cut himself off from the world for a couple of days. But then he decided, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to go work my tail off. I'm going to try and do it on my own and prove to everyone that I deserve this job. I'm going to keep myself ready. And so he was ready. When his number got called Saturday night, he was ready. And a lot of people have observed that inside the program. It makes you want to root for a guy like that because he did not hit the exit door. He didn't hit the dump button immediately. And so for those two reasons, I think it's in Casey we trust right now with Texas Longhorn fans. Again, no one wins, no one expects to win a national title out there this year, but they want to see evidence from Steve Sarkeesian and his organization at least, or his version of the Texas organization, that there's something to build in and, and buy into in the future. And you can start to do that with nailing down who the starting quarterback is going to be for the rest of the year and not make it a week-to-week sort of deal. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, up in Columbus, Ohio, uh, yeah, that's it. That's my impression of a lot of my Ohio State buddies this week. Uh, the Ohio State fan mood tracker has shifted to one word, defensive. And there is a double entendre there, obviously, because they were anything but that were the Ohio State Buckeyes against Oregon Saturday. I was in an unair conditioned Iowa State press box. Yes, guys, I'm out there in the trenches. I mean, I'm fighting the battle out there in 95-degree temperatures for all of us. I'm doing it for you so you don't have to sweat through your shirts. But I was watching the Oregon-Ohio State game on a press box TV, and I'm watching and I'm saying, is that a replay? No. 
that looks just like a play that gashed Ohio State a drive before. They just ran it again. Oh, look, there they go again. There, I can't tell you. It felt like I watched 120-yard chunk plays on the ground ripped off by C.J. Verdell. Uh, well, it wasn't all that far from reality. And so we read you on the Tuesday night edition of Late Kick Live several quotes from Ryan Day about needing to overhaul a lot of things about the Ohio State defense. Very uncommon language, to be blunt, about a program that is as elite in stature as Ohio State is at this point in a season. You can talk that way in spring. You can talk that way in fall camp. You rarely hear head coaches be that drastic in their language in a season. But it's merited. It is absolutely warranted. So the focal point this week, and they're playing, I think, Tulsa this week. The focal point this week for Ohio State fans has been tracking every practice update. They want to know who's going to be the coordinator there the rest of the year. And more importantly, forget titles and forget you know plaques on the desk. Who's calling the plays? And a lot of that is shrouded in secrecy. I mean, officially, no changes have been made. I would bet my bottom dollar changes have been made. I don't know exactly what they are, but everyone wants to know if things are going to change. And so with every fresh practice report, you know, we tried something new today. Are we working on something new today? Well, in my, uh, in my time observing this game, I can tell you when fundamental changes are being made, it is never adding complexity to anything. It is stripping things out, and it is making it as simple as possible. It is removing the pen from your hand and inserting a red crayon. And if that's what it takes to get a competent defensive product on the field that will absolutely get picked apart down the road by more elite offensive products, so be it. Because if Ryan Day is looking at things and he's asking, well, out of the two alternatives, what do I prefer? People looking lost? or people doing their job and someone just eventually figuring us out several series into the game. I think he's going to take the latter. You can at least stomach the latter. I can't stomach the former. And so it's defensive right now. Because Ohio State fans are asking a question that's normally inverted. Normally, you watch a team that has a really good defense, and they can't score enough. And so you ask, man, are we going to waste a great defense this year because we can't score enough? It's the total opposite. And I'm not saying they're elite offensively yet there, but they have a ceiling of elite production offensively. They can score. Ohio State can score on their good days. They're asking, does it matter right now? Are we going to be able to stop anyone? Because, I mean, you know, if Minnesota moved it on us and then certainly Oregon moved it on us, um, looking down the road, and there's some teams that in a former life I would expect us to house pretty comfortably that are probably going to be able to make us uncomfortable, kind of like the Indiana game last year, because they're going to be able to score on us. And that is a bad place to be. That's a bad feeling to have in the pit of your stomach. The total opposite of that is the way our Arkansas friends are feeling. We've had a ton of Arkansas folks watching the show the past week, and I appreciate it. I mean, I've done some radio in Little Rock this month, and I've talked about the things that I love about college football, and I'm not going to beat this to death again, but anytime you watch a program get the culture fit, you got to stand up and applaud it. I mean, if you love the sport as a whole, then there's no way that you can dislike what's happening at Arkansas with Sam Pittman. Um, And if you're unfamiliar, if you're just kind of a casual fan and maybe you pull for your program uh, and maybe, you know, you're a Washington State fan and you just don't know a lot about Arkansas, for the good of the sport, I would encourage you to root for Arkansas because if that template is proven on a national level to work, then you'll have far more programs out there take a second and very hard look at their own hiring practices. I'm looking in Los Angeles, California as we speak, through the camera, of course, and understand 
that you can't have the same five or six list of questions no matter where you're trying to hire. You gotta have culture as part of it. Arkansas got it figured out. So anyway, we beat that drum a lot Sunday and Tuesday. The mood tracker at Arkansas. I don't know how popular Jason Mraz would ever be in Arkansas. However, he had a song one time that I was listening to last night. That's why it's stuck in my head. And it's called Make It Mine. Well, if I'm an Arkansas fan, my mood is make it ours. You know how the sport is shaped. You know how the very conference you reside in is shaped. You know how the division in the conference you reside in is shaped. It doesn't really matter how good you become. No one's handing you anything. No, no, no preseason magazine is ever going to coronate you a favorite of anything. Vegas odds makers aren't going to do it. Certainly media is not going to do it. Every game, even if you ultimately go on to win it, is going to begin with your back proverbially against the wall, just like last week, and even though you went on to skull drag someone, you had to prove everyone wrong in doing it. Well, the point is, if you're waiting for the crowd that didn't expect you to be able to do that to ever hand you any kind of accolade, you're going to be waiting until you're in your grave. So don't wait. Just make it yours. Sam Pittman's got that attitude. I can promise you the rest of the program has that attitude, and I would venture to think the fan base will not have a very hard time at all adopting that attitude. The reason is because Sam Pittman is one of them. He is one of you guys. And so you all think the same way, and you should be thinking the same way. I cannot wait to watch several more of those patented Trey Biddy walking talks outside of Reynolds Razorback Stadium in the future, where you guys were, of course, an underdog, and then you end up beating someone, and there's Trey Biddy. Just walking around, selfie stick in hand, empty stadium, said, well, we did it again. You got to pause, look around for effect, as only Trey Biddy can do. Yep, we got him. I can't tell you how many times I've watched him doubt us, and we got him again tonight. I love the walk and talks. Trey Biddy's walk and talks are great. Uh, make it ours. That's it. Make it ours. Remember at the beginning of the year when I was telling you the difference between rankings and predictions and ratings? I uh, need to have a little soliloquy on the JP poll before we go off the air. Let me reminder there. There were a lot of people who didn't expect anything from Arkansas this year because they thought they weren't a good team. But there was a much bigger crowd out there that probably thought Arkansas was a decent team, but they thought the schedule was insurmountable. And I just made the point that I want to reiterate before we move on. Yes, Arkansas has got a brutally difficult schedule. You don't play a schedule every week. Arkansas didn't play their schedule last week. They played Texas. Texas was one layer of what you thought made this season non-winnable for Arkansas, but then they won the game. So that's one domino down that you didn't think they could knock down. This week, they got Georgia Southern. Arkansas is not talented enough to overlook anyone. I pray they don't overlook Georgia Southern. It's the last program at that level you want to be overlooking. But then they're going to play A&M in Dallas. We are giving strong consideration to taking the Renaissance Tour to Dallas, Texas for that game, by the way. Decisions to be made this weekend. Take care of business first. People are going to look at A&M, Haynes King or not. They're going to look at him and say, that's going to be tough. Ooh, 50-50 at best, maybe even 40-60. But then if they win that one, you'll have two dominoes down. Then it really gets thick. Then you have no chance, right? No chance whatsoever of going into Athens. And then the week after that at Ole Miss, by the way, if you count the trip to Dallas, their third week on the road in a row, which never happens unless you're an FCS program. The point being, you don't look at a schedule in totality. You look at weeks. And in a week, I did check, even Arkansas just has to play one team per week. They'll be okay. You maintain and bottle up the energy and passion and attitude they played with last week, they'll be okay. They'll have a shot to compete in almost every game they play. That's it. Those are the only mood trackers we have to update. But I will tell you this, looking at this weekend's slate, I would venture to think some more moods are going to have to be updated this time next week. I did want to touch on one program in particular 
I, I think it's probably a game that some of you are going to miss, and I understand it. Far be it for me to guide your viewing habits for you, but there's a game that happens Saturday, noon Eastern kickoff, and it is Cincinnati at Indiana. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think it's the biggest game Luke Fickle has had at Cincinnati since he's been there. They've had bigger games in terms of marquee. They will have had uh, more viewed games. This is a big one, though. I think it is the big one for them. I had a buddy hit me up earlier this week and said, I don't think since he's going to cover the four-point spread, which I will touch on in just a second, said, I don't like it. I said, why? Well, I just think it's a little bit of a letdown spot. Maybe they overlook Indiana. This, you, listen, you are high on bath salts. If you think they're about to overlook Indiana, this is not an overlook game. This is a circle game. This is one of their Super Bowl games. If anything, you'll get over the cliff max effort from Cincinnati Saturday. Remember back in July, we did a segment here. I still stand by it even more today than I did then. I said, very matter-of-factly, I don't care what the past has shown you. A lot of you think it's impossible for a G5 team to make the playoffs. If this one right here, if this Cincinnati team goes undefeated this year, they're going to be in the playoff. Still believe that. Believe it even more today than I did then. Uh, Now, you know that it sounds weird coming from my mouth because I've been the dude in the past who told you I don't ever think a G5 team deserves to be in the playoff, and I've got reasons that are not related to how good the team is. So we can have that fight in January if you want to. But it doesn't matter what I think should happen because I'm telling you what I think will happen, and I think Cincinnati's going to make the playoff if they go undefeated. Uh, That is about the last time I want to talk about the playoff in September, but think about what this Saturday represents for Cincinnati. Because what have they been told? Whether it's right or wrong, what have they been led to believe is the biggest hurdle between them and the grand prize of making a college football playoff? Number one, it is conference affiliation. It's that G5 proverbial sticker on your helmet, the AAC. Well, the reputation of that conference has never been stronger. Some would argue winning that conference is tougher than winning a couple of the Power Fives that are sandbagging heavily out here right now, and I don't think I need to be any more specific. The profile of that conference has never been stronger. That's one. Number two, you've been told, well, you know, you've got to be able to schedule some legitimate Power Five competition and beat them. If you had to play P5 teams, then stands to reason your strength of schedule would be too tough and you wouldn't have gone undefeated. Well, here you go. Because not only do you have Indiana... You just so happen to have Indiana coming off a year where they finished higher ranked than at any point in any of our lifetimes, at least recently. And so you get one, and then they've got Notre Dame after this. I think there's a bye week, but they have Notre Dame after this. This is the stretch that they've been told they have to not only put on their schedule, but then hurdle perfectly over if they're ever going to make a playoff. They've been told strength of schedule is not legit. Well, this takes care of it. They've been told you got to beat those P5s. Well, this takes care of it. Now, the Vegas line on this game currently, as I went on the air, was Cincinnati minus four to Cincinnati minus four and a half. And our line, our late kick line is six. So we think Cincinnati covers. We lean Cincinnati. Uh, I thought about making it an outright play. Even though our model indicates about a 55% cover probability, here's what's hard. When you're trying to set your own line, What's really hard is understanding which external factors to quantify and to value and which ones to just dismiss totally. Like a lot of times when people talk about revenge angles and all this stuff, we don't care. I don't even give it a a quarter of a point's worth of attention. But in this, I wonder if we shouldn't bump it more. I wonder if we shouldn't make a little manual override. 
Because what could happen is this stuff could matter a whole lot. It, it could matter even more than you and I could ever imagine. It could be that this has been drilled into their heads so much in summer workouts and fall camp. It could be drilled into their head that your back is against the wall. This is your one shot. Play the eight-mile soundtrack in your ear. You only got one chance, and you got to go make it happen, and it's on the road at Indiana. We're going to have heavy crowd representation there. This is not the most hostile of environments in the world, but it is the biggest opportunity in our world. Man, if that's the mentality they're going in there with, and they execute at a high level, Cincinnati can run it up on Indiana. Indiana's offenses look bad. In fact, Cincinnati's offense has not really had a game where you would argue they just clicked since that Ohio State game. And some people still have the residue of that game in their head, a narrow loss to Ohio State, and I still think it's baked into some of these numbers. And in reality, even I think our model is a little bit short here. Even I think Cincinnati's going to win by more than that. We'll talk about that more on the secret late night out of management's view uh, gambling chat on Instagram Live. But there's a third factor in play. Maybe you've turned on Twitter or checked uh, your favorite sports website this week. Maybe one of you has even cracked a newspaper right there, a physical copy in your hand. Um, And you've seen Luke Fickle's name mentioned in regard to the USC job. I don't think that matters. Just wanted to put that out there. That won't have an iota's worth of difference, a nickel's worth of difference in this game. But I'll tell you what will. The fact that Clemson already has a loss on the resume, the fact that Ohio State already has a loss on the resume, the fact that Tulane pushed Oklahoma to the very limit, and Alabama's perfect, but they still have their biggest test ahead of them. Point being, remember back in July, everyone dismissed this notion I put out there that I thought a perfect Cincinnati would make the playoff because you couldn't wrap your head around Cincinnati making the playoff over an undefeated Clemson. Well, they're not undefeated anymore. Or an undefeated Ohio State. Well, they're not undefeated anymore. Renaissance theory is what we call it, and it's in full effect. I told you, you'll still have Redwoods in the sport this year. It's just they're going to be shaved down. They're going to be a lot closer to the pack. That is what college football is this year. It wasn't all that hard to see coming. I know because even I figured it out. This is an environment that is ripe for Cincinnati to make it. But it's also an environment where they could lose Saturday and it could all be out the window. And that is my best pitch for the fine folks at ESPN to get you to turn on their network and watch this game. Uh, We do have to do one more little piece of business before we get out of here. Thank you for watching, by the way, tonight. we got to talk best bets. I've already got four of them on the board, but now we're going to add not one, but two more. We've got such a loaded card... We couldn't even use our fancy ramen noodle graphic. We have to use a standard old slider graphic. So I already gave you Texas A&M minus 25 and a half. That's all the way up to 29 or 30 now. You've got to be following on Twitter. I cannot stress it enough. At Late Kick Josh, you have lost, what, five points of line value if you weren't following when I originally handed that out. And I do not like it at 30, by the way. We like it at 25 and a half. Kansas State plus two and a half. Uh, That one is creeping down near zero now. We're on the right side of that one. Penn State minus four and a half. That one went up to six. It's coming back down. We want four and a half, uh, and we got it. We got Virginia Tech plus three. I think that one is still available at three. Now we're adding two more. We're doing it again. We are taking Vanderbilt in a football game to try and make us money. Vanderbilt is at home. Nashville's team is at home Saturday. Uh, They are facing Stanford, West Coast Vandy, and they are getting 12 points. Our model makes it Vandy losing by seven and a half. I texted Barton today and just lied to him and told him the model says they're going to win outright again. It doesn't. But we do think they're going to cover. Vandy plus 12. And Brigham Young, not to be confused with BYU, which we don't say on the program because I can't pronounce the Y, Brigham Young plus three and a half. This number 
is low because there is a widely held theory that Brigham Young is drained after beating Utah last week, and they will lay an egg this week. Our model does not believe so. They are welcoming in Arizona, by the way, and um, I'm not a believer in the Sun Devils right now. I'll just give it to you straight. And they haven't really been tested, and they're about to be here, and it's a really, really tough out in Brigham Young. I also think that the loss of Zach Wilson has been overbaked into their number. Uh, that's a very, very sound team, very sound culture, and I think the collective effort will be good enough not only to cover the three and a half, maybe even get us a win. So quickly, if you're listening on the podcast, we got AM minus 25 and a half, Kansas State plus two and a half, Penn State minus four and a half, Vatek plus three, Vandy plus 12, Brigham Young plus three and a half, and I cannot stress enough, this may not be it. We may not be done. Make sure you're following on the socials at Late Kick Josh. Make sure you're tuned into that Instagram live tomorrow night. It's probably between 11 and 12 Eastern time. It is available the next morning. If you do have a reasonable bedtime hour, you want to watch the replay, it'll be available the next morning. I can't promise the lines will be the same. So thank you so much for watching. Uh, make sure you're subscribed, by the way, to the YouTube channel. We are well into the 65, 63,000 range. So let's keep that number climbing. For Director Colin, for our entire crew in Fort Lauderdale, we are very excited to head up to Pennsylvania tomorrow. I'm Josh Pate. Excited to see you this weekend. Cannot wait for what should be an incredible atmosphere in State College. And then we'll see you Sunday night for all the reaction. Until then, have a great weekend and God bless. fantasy warriors i'm heath cummings your guide to fantasy dominance on fft dynasty join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy if if i was adam with the team that he's built will levis makes so much more sense and that's not all we're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 nfl draft prospect profiles uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.